Isaiah chapter 33. Um, we're going to start at verse 5, and um, we'll read verse 5 and 6, and then we'll get going. So um, Isaiah chapter 33, verse 5. The Lord is exalted, for he dwelleth on high. He hath filled Zion with judgment and righteousness, and wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to study your word today, the fact that it's been preserved throughout the years, that we can have it, that we can uh, come to understand uh, exactly what's going on today so that we know exactly the, the, the folks that we get to go and be, um, be able to take this message to. Uh, that we might be able to uh, be to the praise and honor and glory of your grace. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Now, as we've gone through this, one of the things we've talked about is, um, last week, if you remember, we really take, took a look, not really in depth, but we took a look at the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis, right? And that was the basis of it. Now, one of the things that we started off with here, notice in verse 5, it says, The Lord is exalted. For he dwelleth on high, he hath filled Zion with judgment and righteousness. And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Um, when you take a look at that, there's two things that we talked about that really is what makes you stable. And that is what? He says it's wisdom and knowledge. If you want to be stable, what you need is wisdom and knowledge. And what we live in today as we've gone through and taken a look at before, is a very unstable time. And the reason that we have an unstable time is because there is a lack of knowledge. There's a lack of wisdom. There's a lack of understanding that's taking place throughout the world. And as we've, as we've mentioned before, a lot of that has to do with the way that in our, in our, in our country is what I'm speaking more, more specifically. The reason that we see that is because a lot of the churches over the last three decades or six decades really, has really failed to do exactly what they were supposed to be doing. And what happened is, is we've turned a lot of things from what God's doing into what we think we should do to, to gain people to bring them into the door because their idea is let's get them into the door and then we can get them saved. And that's not the way they were supposed to do that, right? One of the things we talked about before is our goal as ambassadors is to take a message out to the people and then our ministry should be outward, right? We go out into the world and we preach the gospel. We don't try to get them here and then try to get them saved under some false feeling gospel. And that's what a lot of that stuff ends up being. And so then we take a look at all those things. So we're not really or we shouldn't be too shocked with a lot, with a lot of that stuff. So last week, that, that's the main thing that I want us to think about as we look at these. Verse 6 there about wisdom and knowledge is going to be the stability um, in thy times. Now, <clears throat> if we go back to, and just kind of remind ourselves, go back real quick to Genesis chapter 11, and uh, we just want to kind of remind ourselves where we were, how we've gotten here. Um, you know that um, one of the other things that we mentioned with this last week was... Um, Scripture isn't supposed to subdue to the culture, but culture should subdue to the scriptures. Now, what's happened over the past six decades, as we've talked about, is the scripture has, or most folks have allowed the scripture to be subdued by the culture. 
And so what we do is we try to look like the culture around us in hopes that we might be able to bring folks in. God's never called us to look like or act like the world. He's called us to look and act the exact opposite of the world. And so then one of the things, you know, Paul talks about the fact that we're a, we're a peculiar people. I know some other things that, that, you know, Peter and some other scriptures talk about that. But we're to be peculiar, not to look like everybody else. And so then a lot of times what happens is, is we take music or songs, things like that. We take different parts of what culture around us is and we baptize them and say that this is now good because we made it churchy. And that's not, that's not what we're supposed to do. In fact, that's the exact opposite. I was listening to a guy yesterday on the radio. Um, it's a guy out of Lexington. And he was talking about good religion and bad religion. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, religion's not the answer to anything, whether it's good or bad. Religion is never going to be the answer. But his goal was to be able to present that good religion is you going to church and you reading the bible and you doing this and doing that and we we know all that stuff that none of that stuff's new for for instance but when we take a look at this notice here in um genesis chapter 11 we we kind of finished off here so i want us to be able to to pick up where we left off here genesis chapter 11 we'll start here at verse 1 it says and the whole earth was one language and of one speech And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick, and burn them throughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime they had for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Now what we talked about last time is going in through this, what we find out is the main person behind this is Nimrod, right? Nimrod was the one who builds up this city and this tower. And the whole point of that is it's modeled after, and we, we spent some time looking at that, modeled after what Cain did in Genesis, right? And that city, the very first city that was built by Cain was built and complete in total rebellion against God. So when we see that these groups of people, what are they doing is what? They are of one language, one speech, and their whole goal is to do what? We're going to build a city and we're going to bring everybody to us so that we're all one. Well, that's the exact opposite of what God was wanting them to do. Remember, we talked about the fact that God put the fear of man in animal so that animals would flee them so that people would have to go and find them to be able to get food and things like that. The whole goal there was to what? To multiply and scatter. Well, what man's thought process is, is what? Well, what's interesting is, is every time you look at Scripture, man's always doing the exact opposite of what God wants them to do. God says scatter. Man says what? Let's all come together. God says, I want you to be able to do some things here on the earth. And what's man say? Let's go to heaven. Let's find and build a tower, and we're going to make our way to heaven. And the whole point behind that is is you've created a city which encompasses, just real quick, go back to, go back to Genesis chapter 4, just real quick, and just remind ourselves 
when Cain when Cain did this, um, we we pointed out some of these things before, but I just want to remind us in verse twenty. And Adah bare Jabel, he was the father of such as dwelt in tents and of such as have cattle. And again, we talked about the issue of you have husbandry there and the agriculture there. And his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ. Here you've got arts and entertainment, music, that type of stuff. And Zelah, she, she also bare Tubalcane, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron, and the sister of Tubalcane was Naaman. Of course, there you've got industrialization. In verse 23, uh, you've got Lamech says unto his wives, Adon Zillah, hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. So, of course, we talked about the issue of he incorporates government there, and of course, government produces military, and we talked about those things. So what took place here from Cain's rebellion is we've created this city. Now, when we come over here to Genesis chapter 11, the whole point there is to do what? Bring everybody together. If you really want to have the best of the music, you got to come to us. If you want the best in entertainment, you got to come to us. If you want the best industrialization, you come to us. And really what happens is... is People start living a, you know, at that time it's probably slightly different than what we think of is that, but they start, they start having more time to do those things. Start living a little bit more luxurious, if you will, and you start forgetting about the things that you did as you grew up or whatever it is, because now things are a little bit easier than they used to be. Now you, you've, we're living in a time where, um, you know, you could, you could have a job creating a, a presentation for, for your job, and you could spend a week preparing this presentation, if not more. Well, now you've got AI, which can do it in 13 seconds. And you're like, that's kind of strange. I don't have to worry about that week. I've gained a week to do whatever I want to now, right? And so we start thinking of all these things that makes life easier, but what happens is, is that gives us more free time, and normally what happens when we have more free time is what? <laughs> we do get in trouble and that's what happens right and the more time that we have to ourselves you know they the old saying um idle hands are the devil's workshop all right you remember that saying but that's kind of that idea you know the more time that we have on our hands the more time we have to get into trouble um but those are those types of things it's to be it's to make things easier but what it's actually done is it's created a problem that we didn't really know that we had beforehand. So now we've got to fill this time. Now, when we get over here to back over to Genesis chapter 11, what we see is <coughs> Nimrod comes and creates this place. And we looked in chapter 10. He was part of the sons of Ham. Um, and if you look at chapter 10, notice real quick, chapter 10, verse 8 says, And Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth, which takes us back to Genesis chapter 6, verse 4, which we talked about last week. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was what? Babel. Now, what we find out is over here in chapter 11, we get a little bit more information about that. That's what's taking place. He's creating this 
kingdom. And notice there it's, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. So what's interesting there is it doesn't say the beginning of the city or anything. He says the beginning of his what? Kingdom. What's he, what's he trying to do is create his own Canaanite-type situation. Um, or Cain-like situation, which, of course, we know was in complete rebellion against God. And notice what it says there in chapter 11, verse 3. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick, and burn them throughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime they had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the, uh, upon the face of the whole earth. The whole purpose there is to what? So that we don't have to scatter, even though that's part of what God wants them to do. Now, of course, where we find ourselves right here in the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis is, is there a difference between a Jew and a Gentile at this time? The answer is absolutely not. Everybody here is on the same playing field, so that kind of reminds us of what? The dispensation of grace. In the dispensation of grace, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. We're all the same. You know, Romans chapter 3 says that they're all under sin. And the whole purpose of that, Romans 11 says, is that God might have mercy upon who? All. So then when we talk about these things, this is one of the reasons why I think this is really interesting because if we want to know our culture in which we live today to get an idea of our culture and how to be able to go and, and pursue those folks in that culture in which we live today, we need to know a little bit about how they think. And right? that's kind of the, one of the reasons that we're going through this, talking about this. Notice here, what's their whole thing is what? Let us, let us, let us, let us. We're going to do something. Verse 5, And the Lord came down to see the city and tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do. Now, the problem with that is what? He's already discussed in chapter 10, verse 5, about the, the, the isles of the Gentiles divided, by in, their, divided in their lands, everyone after his, after his tongue, after their families. And we looked through this last week as well. Verse 20 talks about after their tongues in their countries and in their nations. And in verse 31 says their families after their tongues. So one of the things that we see in chapter 10 is, is what? Each different group of people had their own language. Now what happens is we get over here to Genesis chapter 11. And what's taking place is they're all of one language. And that's what God notices. Notice, and the Lord said, uh, 11.6, And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do. This is what they end up doing when they all have one language is what? Building a city and building a tower. They're creating their own government. They're creating their own religious system is what they're doing. Notice, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Now, of course, that we can go through a bunch of stuff with that one as well. But notice in verse 7, Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Now, one thing that I've always understood, what I've always kind of pointed out here is 
God's led us is more powerful than man's led us. One thing, God took care of all this, all their let us do stuff, right? Which kind of makes you think their whole point was what? We're going to be able to build some stuff. And God even mentions the fact he goes down and he sees the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And all God has to do is what? One thing and it's all worthless now. And there's, a, there's, a, there's an issue there about whatever you think you can produce yourself is worthless inside of what God's actually doing. So there's a bunch of stuff with that. But notice, verse 9, Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound their language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. <clears throat> so what God does is ships them out, basically. So a couple things real quick. Go get, um, go get Romans chapter 1. We'll start there. Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> Romans chapter 1, verse 18. We'll start here. This is where we, with the Genesis 11 and then Romans 1, this is where we left off last time. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18. <clears throat> It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, there's some information that Paul's going to reveal about the wrath of God. And it's not just, wrath isn't just talking about tribulation period, lake of fire, and all that stuff. There's actually a judgment that took place back there in Genesis chapter 11. And what Paul's doing is he's revealing a little bit more information about that judgment that took place back in Genesis chapter 11. When God confounded their language, what took place is chaos. We've often said this before. Could you imagine all of a sudden we're all sitting here and we're chatting with each other after church and all of a sudden you can't understand half the people in the room, if not more. I mean, could you imagine the confusion that that would create? And what's interesting is, is God does the exact opposite in Acts chapter 2, right? In fact, you've got people who could not speak a language, could supernaturally speak a language so that people could hear them. And in fact, what's interesting is all the folks there say, what, aren't these, aren't these men that speak Galilean? They shouldn't know my language, <laughs> but they are. They're, they're able to speak in that language. So it's interesting, God is the one that's able to do that. But what, what's, what, what Paul's revealing here, notice, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Well, what is that, what's that issue of holding the truth and unrighteousness? Well, if you look over at verse 25, same chapter, notice, what did these people do? Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. What is it that Nimrod and all those guys were doing? Even Cain. What was Cain doing when he went to build that city was what? He was worshiping himself. In fact, he names the city after his own son. And what they're really doing there is what? They're actually worshiping Satan without even realizing it. 
And so what they're doing is they've changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. And we'll see how some of that goes on as we go through this. Notice back in verse 19, <clears throat> because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was what? Darkened. Now, you remember when we read back over in Genesis 11, he said what? Let us go down. Because whatever they can imagine they can do, they're going to do what? They're going to do it. And what happens is, is they're able to think of these things. And what happens is, is they became vain in their imaginations. And the vain there is empty, worthless. And you stop and you think about that. That's exactly what they were doing with the building of that city and that tower. They were trying to say, look at all the stuff that we're doing. But notice what happens, and their foolish heart was what? Darkened. The result of that was they had a foolish heart was darkened. Verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Now, you stop and you think about that today. What do most people have problems with the Bible is what? Well, that's just foolishness. And we know that Paul tells us that people are going to say that about you. Why do they say that? Because... They be, they're professing themselves to be wise. And that issue of professing is what? Actually saying it. <laughs> so hold your place there. Go over to Titus. <clears throat> Go over to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter one, uh, we see we see this same we see the same type of issue that that Titus deals with when he when he's left at Crete, right? So remember, Paul leaves Titus at Crete. The whole purpose of him leaving Titus in Crete is that he can set things in order in that local assembly. Um, and there's some problems that's going on. Notice verse ten: For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision whose mouths must be stopped. What are they doing? They're speaking things, right? Who subvert whole, whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The creation are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men, that turn from the truth. What is it that will turn people from the truth is what? Well, he tells us there, Jewish fables, commandments of men. The end goal of those things, Paul talks about it to Timothy as well. We spent a bunch of time on that in Timothy chapter, 1 Timothy chapter 1. But notice what it is that turns people from the truth is Jewish fables, commandments of men. Well, if that's, if that's the same thing that people turned from the truth in Romans, changed the, lie, changed the truth of God into a lie, and what did they do based on their imaginations? That's where fables come from. 
where a lot of that stuff comes from. But notice he says, under the pure, all things are pure, but under them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. Notice, they profess that they know God. And that issue of professing is what? Actually speaking out. And what is it that they're speaking? They're speaking what? Jewish fables, commandments of men, false doctrine, all that stuff. But the issue of professing, you know, a lot of times people get confess and profess backwards. Profess is what? Me actually speaking something. That's what they're doing here. They profess that they know God. They go around telling people, I know God. We know a lot of people that do that today. They're pastors in churches sometimes. Notice, but in works, they deny him being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work, what? Reprobate, worthless. The idea there is that they're functionally dead. That issue of, of professing, what is it that they're professing? It's the same thing that we see back over here in Romans chapter 1. Notice, <clears throat> professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Now, why are they, what is it that they're professing is their vain imaginations. And that's what was taking place back over there in, in, in Genesis chapter 11. What's the result of it? Verse 23, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image. Now, there's, there's a few things here that's interesting. Have you ever studied the glory of God? You go back you go back into Exodus. Moses says what? Show me thy glory. And what happens is is God brings up an issue of what? All of his attributes. The fact that he can have mercy on who he wants to have mercy and things like that. And what's interesting is you take that list of attributes, it is the fruit of the spirit. They match up. And so the whole issue behind the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit will put on display God's glory in your life by you believing the verses. What did they do with the glory of God here? They, cha they changed the, the glory of the uncorruptible God into what? An image. Now, what's an image come from? It's your imagination. So they're taking the glory of the things that they knew God they glorified him not as God. They took the attributes of God and they created an image. And what did they do with that image? They made that image make, made like what? To corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Do you know what they are? They're idol-worshiping Gentiles. That's, that's what you have back in Genesis 11. They've taken their imagination and they've taken God's glory and they've changed it into images and said, we're going to produce this. And you see it over and over and over again. They get it to the point. I mean, you look at, you look at a lot of churches. We, we mentioned last week about the, the creed, right? That's, that's from... What, what that comes from is the fallen mindset of an unsaved person. They create that. And what they're doing with that is they're changing the glory of God into an image 
made like to corruptible man, four-footed beasts, birds, and creeping things. And so then you look at the world around you, you're like, why is the world in a mess? Why is our country in a mess? Because we gave up on this, not we, but the church at large gave up on that book decades ago. And we're reaping what they've sown. And so one of the things that I want us to be able to think about as we go through here is that's what we're dealing with. But notice what that judgment is, really the wrath of God is. Notice verse 24, because of all that stuff, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. And I always point this out when he says in verse 24, wherefore God also gave them up. The idea there is, is what? They've already gave up on God. They gave him up, said, we don't want to retain you in our knowledge. And so what God does is says, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn you over to yourself. And that's exactly what he did in Genesis chapter 11. Confounded the language and said, have at it. And then you're, you've got a mess. Now, that's where we are today. <clears throat> Notice, keep on going here. Verse 26, for this cause, <clears throat> we already read verse 25 because where they changed the truth of God. Verse 26, for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman, burning, its lust, burning their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is un, which is unseemly and receiving in themselves the recompense of their heirs which was meat what we see going on in our culture today comes from what that right there it's as old as genesis it's a long time ago it's not new it's new in our country because now it's you know we've we've talked about that before is you know, that stuff is first, okay, we'll, we'll allow it. And then it's, okay, now we'll accept it. And then it's, now we're going to promote it. And the reason why is because there's a lack of knowledge and understanding and wisdom. Not just knowing stuff. Everybody talks about, you know... <laughs> <clears throat> common sense is gone. Well, Bible sense is gone too. That's the problem. Common sense won't fix it because where does common sense come from? It comes from within. But Bible sense, one of the... Brother Jordan's always said, you can take a look at a, a, a nation and a culture and see where it is and you know the amount of sound doctrine stored up in that culture. And that's true. What we see today is because decades before us, generations before us, failed to store up the scripture the way that they should have, and we've gotten into the mess that we're into now. There's a book that I've got, um, <clears throat> the, uh, the Apostasy of the Christian Church by, by Dawson. Uh, if anybody wants, the, wants a copy of it, let me know. But in that book, what he does is he goes through and he talks about some of those issues, and he uses First and Second Timothy which we're going through First Timothy once we're done with this, but 
there's some of those issues that he's bringing up. And one of the things he, one of the things he says is why we be in the mess we be in. <laughs> and he purposely uses bad grammar to say that so that you'll pay attention to what he says. But that's the reason that we're in the mess that we're in is because people gave up on Bible truth a long time ago. But there's always been small remnants. We know this. You go throughout Scripture, there's always small remnants. You hate to say that word, but that's the idea. There's small pockets of people that actually care about the book. But what we see here is they've given up on God. They gave him up to glorify themselves And we see verse 24, God gave them up. Verse 26, God gave them up. Verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. We look at our world. We shouldn't be shocked when we see stuff. We know that's the pattern. And what's interesting is, is all this stuff follows religious apostasy, idol worshiping stuff. All the stuff that you see there in verse 26 and 27 about um, changing the natural use of a woman and changing the natural use of the man. That's a result of every single time you see it in Scripture. Every time that you see religious apostasy, it ends up fornication somehow. Every single time. That's a package deal. And we're reaping the the religious apostasy that our country got into decades ago. But this isn't new. Go back real quick. Um, Let's do this real quick. Go back to Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Let's start here at verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 32. First of all, Deuteronomy is what? The book of of Deuteronomy is the purpose of what? It's repeating the law, the re-giving of the law, right? So we we know who is it that God gave the law to, to the Jews, to the nation of Israel, right? So obviously we're skipping some of this information. Genesis chapter 12, what's God do? Calls out Abram. Says, I'm going to make of thee a great, what? Nation. And I will be your God and you shall be, what? My people. So what God does is says, in, in the whole issue of Romans 1, is telling us what God did in Genesis 11 is, He gave up the Gentiles and he pulls out one person. He says, I'm going to make of thee a great nation. Now, remember when we talked about that before, 
didn't he do kind of the same thing with Noah, where he says, build an ark, and he saves eight souls on the ark, and what happens is he changes the information of don't just, you're not to do the same thing that I put Adam in the earth to do because he told Adam to do what? Replenish, multiply, replenish the earth, have dominion over it, subdue it. He doesn't tell Noah to do that. He says what? To replenish the earth. <laughs> there's, there's something else that's taking place that took place between all that stuff. Now, <clears throat> in Genesis chapter 15, God gives to Abram. Abram, he's got this, he's made righteous. Well, Abraham's asleep at the particular time, and so he can't actually perform anything. Well, in Genesis 17, God gives them a covenant. That covenant is in circumcision. All right, so by the time we get over here to Deuteronomy, a lot of other things have taken place. All right, so notice here, Deuteronomy chapter 32, we'll start here at verse 1. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are the perverse and crooked generation. <laughs> you think about that again. When we're going through the book of Matthew, you have the same type of issue there. Verse 6, Do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father that hath brought thee? Hath, not, hath he not made thee and established thee? Now you stop and you think about how are you established? How are you made stable? Wisdom and understanding, right? Verse 8. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. Now what's interesting there is he brings up what? He, he talks about when the Most High divided the nations. Well, who are the nations? When did he divide that? Genesis chapter 10, right? We went through that, Han, Shem, and Japheth, and how he divided up the isles. Verse 9, for the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. Well, verse 9, he's dealing with who? The nation of Israel. So what we find out there is he's telling us, a little bit about what was going on in Genesis chapter 10 with the dividing up of the people. And it was according to the, to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. Now, when we think about what's going on there, go real quick. Well, I won't do this for time's sake. <clears throat> Put alongside that Joshua chapter 21. All right. If you put alongside that Joshua chapter 21, um, you'll, see, you'll see the division of the land there. Now, go back to De uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 4. 
we'll just do this. Deuteronomy chapter 4. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 4. Let's, let's start here at... Um, Let's break into the context here. Is verse five? There's another passage, another verse. I want to get too down in the in the passage, but Deuteronomy four. We'll start here at verse five. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me that ye should do so in the land, whither ye go to possess it. Now, pause real quick. Who's he talking to? Verse one. Now, therefore, hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you. For to do them, that ye may live and go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. So who is he talking to? Israel. All right. Now, back in verse 6. Keep therefore and do them. This is your what? Wisdom and your what? Understanding. What God is doing is he's, he, he created the whole heaven and earth. By the time you get to Genesis chapter 11... Man's a mess, and what's he do? And it's a mess for the third time, really. What's he do in Genesis 11? He says, I'm going to spread you out. Genesis chapter 12, he calls out a person. And notice what he says is what? Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding. Keep and, keep and do what? The statutes and the judgments, which I teach you. That's what I want you to keep, because that's what's going to make you what? Stable. Right, according to Isaiah 33. Well, we've got something different as far as wisdom and understanding today, which we'll get into a little bit later on. But notice, this is the statutes and judgments in verse 5 are the things that are going to make them stable. Well, the problem is what we see throughout history is what did they do to those judgments and statutes is they added what? Man's wisdom. And that's not going to make you stable. But notice this. <clears throat> keep, keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations which shall hear all these statutes and say. Notice, this is the purpose. Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. That should be the conclusion that the Gentile nations out there should look at Israel and say what? That's a great nation. And that nation is what? Stable. And we want to know what that is. Notice verse 7. For what nation is so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God in all things that we call upon him for? And he goes on down through there. The whole purpose of it is to do what? God says, I'm going to set you up as a light to the other nations. And the other nations should look at you and say what? That's a people of understanding. They're different than us. But of course, what do we know takes place is what? Jump down to verse 13. And he declared unto you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform even ten commandments, and he wrote them upon two tables of stone. 
And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that ye might do them in the land whither ye go over to possess it. Take ye therefore good heed unto yourselves, for ye saw no manner of similitude on the day that the Lord spake unto you in Horeb unto the, out of the midst of the fire. Notice, lest ye what? Corrupt yourselves and make you a what? Graven image. What did they do as soon as they got out of, out of Egypt? Moses goes up in the mountain. What are they doing? Let's get all the gold together and we're going to make a golden calf. What does that remind you of? They're doing the same thing that the Gentiles were doing in Genesis 11. <laughs> Notice, lest ye corrupt yourselves and make you a graven image, the similitude of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any beast that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged fowl that flieth in the air, the likeness of anything that creepeth on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the waters beneath the earth. Now, again, that reminds us of Romans chapter 1. Well, Romans chapter 1, all that stuff took place way before we get here to Deuteronomy as well. But they're doing what? They're doing the exact same thing that God's asking them, commanded them not to do. But notice this. <clears throat> Verse 19. Unless thou lift up thine eyes unto heaven, and when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars... Even all the hosts of heaven shouldest be driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord thy God hath divided unto what? All nations under the whole heaven. Now here's what's interesting. He says what? Unless thou, unless thou lift thine eyes up, lift up thine eyes unto heaven, and when thou seest the sun and the moon and stars, even all the hosts of heaven... Well, who's the host of heaven? He's talking about angels. Shouldest be driven to worship them and serve them. Notice, which the Lord thy God hath divided unto what? All nations under the heaven. Do you know what that means? Each nation has its own fallen angel that it's modeled after. And the point there is, is what? What he's saying is, don't do what the Gentiles are doing. What are the Gentiles doing? Romans 1, they created images made like unto man and four-footed beasts and creepy things and, and, and birds. But not just that, but what? They're looking at angels. Well, you stop and you think. In Genesis chapter 3, what Satan tell Eve? God knows that in the day that ye eat thereof, ye shall what? No good and evil, you'll be like as what? Gods, the lowercase g, gods. So what we have here, and this is what's kind of an interesting thought is, you have, you have what? God's divided those fallen angels unto all nations under the whole, whole heaven. Each nation has its own, you know, when, 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 
when you go over to Daniel and you read about, and even Ezekiel, and you read about the prince of, the, of Persia, he's not talking about the guy here on earth. He's talking about that angel up there that represents that nation here on earth. Have you ever stopped and thought about America has a fallen angel that it's connected to? Every nation, Gentile nations. You ever stopped and thought about that? Normally we don't. We've talked about this before. You say chaos on the earth. Reason why is because there's chaos in the heavens. Angels, those fallen angels want what? I want more and more and more and more. And what happens down here is we have what? Nations that want what? More and more and more and more. There's a connection there. Go over real quick to Deuteronomy chapter 29. And so what, what's interesting when you're looking at this is what, what, what Satan was offering to Eve in the garden was a position out there. That's what he's offering her. You'll be like as gods, knowing what? Good and evil. Deuteronomy chapter 29. <clears throat> Notice verse 25. <clears throat> then men shall say, because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord God of their fathers, which he made with them, he brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, for they went and served other gods and worshipped them, gods whom they knew not, and, and whom he had not given unto what? Them. So it's, it's interesting, you think about this, you've got Israel, you've got these gods up here that match up to nations, and what's he saying here? For they went and served other gods, lowercase g, and worshipped them, gods whom they what? Knew not, and whom he had not given unto them. When they go and worship Baal, what they're doing is they're worshiping a god that belongs to another country and another nation. God didn't give them that one. God gave that one to this group and this one to this group and this one to this group. And we see this over and over again. Notice <clears throat> verse 27. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against, his, against this land to bring, a, bring upon it all the curses that are written in this book. Well, you go back to chapter 28 and he talks about them. What are the curses? Well, chapter 28, he's already mentioned them. Verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shalt thou be in the city, and cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shall be thy basket and thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land. 
the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. By the way, you go through here, it's not good. And so what he says over here in chapter 30, he says, because you're going after these strange gods that I've not given to you, what do you get? The curses. Go back a page and you'll see what those curses are. And that's what he's... he's but what's interesting is <clears throat> he doesn't give up Israel, but they keep doing this over and over again. <laughs> in fact, they end up in captivity... You stop me think about this. Israel, eventually, they split into two groups, right? The northern tribes and the southern tribes. Northern tribes goes into captivity. Southern tribes go into captivity. All of which is what? A judgment because they're going after this. Gods that weren't given to them, but they were given to those Gentile nations. Now, there's no way that clock. Is that right? What is in it? All right, Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll stop here. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 1, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. What's going on is, we live in a nation or a country that is serving some god, lowercase g god, one of the fallen angels, and what is it that they're going to be teaching us through that culture is what? It's a, it's verse 2, according to the course. Now the course there has to do with what? The teaching. Here's some information I'm going to use to teach you. And what our culture does, our culture is a response to that. And what we have to do is what? We have to leave that culture, get over and find out what's going on in the Bible, and we walk contrary to that culture. In response to, we're going to walk contrary to the God of this culture. So when we look around and see all the stuff that's going on around us, it's not just because people want to do what they want to do. They've done that for ages. They're doing it because that's the, that's the information that's being presented, being taught by the prince of the power of the air through that to this culture. Our culture is a response to that teaching. And what we, what we need to do is say, we don't want to be a part of that. And that's what, that's what this is doing. It takes you out of, when Paul talks about them being, you were idol worshipers being led in Corinthians talks about the ones who are led by these dumb idols that's what we were we were led by those dumb idols and what happens is we hear the scripture and we're what we're quickened 
We're no longer dead in our trespasses and sins. We no longer should walk according to the course of this world that was put on by the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, because we're no longer children of disobedience. He says, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Children of what? Wrath. Wrath was what? Each nation has a fallen angel that you're going to live by. And that's what you're going to worship. And he says what? That's what you were given up over to. Now, <clears throat> I said we're going to stop there, so I'm, I will. <clears throat> but there is a lot more to this that I want us to be able to see. But this kind of gets us the idea of where we are. Well, I won't get into that. All right. Um, we'll pick up with that. But that gets us a good place to get going. But I wanted to make sure that we pointed those out. There's some other verses we're going to get as well when we start talking about those sons of God. That's what, that's what Satan was promising to Eve in the garden. And actually, that's what Satan was promising Christ when he was tempting him in Matthew 4. He was saying, I'll make you one of these guys up here. And I'll give this whole kingdom to you. 